Welcome back, Grizz Nation, to another edition of Revisionist Gristory, a podcast series under the core four on the GBB Podcast Network. Find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And Grizzly Bear Blues is a blog under SB Nation. Find it on the web at grizzlybearblues.com or on Twitter at SB and Grizzlies. I'm your host, Parker Fleming. And with me is none other than the man himself, the Sane Asylum, Anthony Sane of Grizz Maven of Sports Illustrated. Sane, what's up? My guy, what's going on, Parker? You good, man? Yeah, just, you know, stuck inside, just enjoying some, catching up on some Grizz highlights, some 2K, some podcasting. So just doing whatever I can to build some content, you know? Oh uh, yeah, we're in the same boat, man. Uh, unfortunately, guys like me and you, uh, we don't we don't work for the the mainstream. I guess I guess uh, yeah, we don't really work for like the you know the Daily Memphis or the Commercial Appeal. So we have to we have to constantly we're web based, strictly web based. So we have to put out so much uh, daily content just to keep things going. But yeah, man, I definitely relate to what you're saying on this. Absolutely. And if you all haven't shut it out yet, Sane did just drop a nice interview with DeAnthony Melton, Grizzlies guard, Mr. Do Something. Check it out. It's a five-minute interview, so you can easily knock that out while you're working from home. It's no problem. Yeah, and so on this edition of Revisionist Grizzly, we want to talk about the mass series. So in 2015, and I think it was game three, Against Portland, CJ McCollum hit Mike Conley with a nice elbow, and it put Mike on the shelf for three games. Everybody thought he was going to be out for the playoffs, but he came back in game two and put on one of the most legendary performances we'll see in Grizzlies history just from a storyline perspective. And just, it was really just surreal. I remember watching that game the Grizzlies had just gotten blown out in game one and then Steph Curry was getting his MVP presentation and I was just like oh man here we go another blowout and it might just put on a show and put the team on his back in Oracle Arena and stole game two but it didn't go too well for the Grizzlies shortly after as they only won one other game in that series falling to the Warriors in six and so What we have today is basically just like, what if Mike didn't break his face? Saying, do you think like this was the Grizzlies' golden opportunity to win the title? I I have a very unpopular opinion about this series. I've argued with a lot of people about that uh, that whole series and the Mike Conley thing. And I'm not trying to upset any of your listeners or upset any people that support me, but I just got to be honest about it, about how I saw that series. I think that that was one of the most magical series as far as because after we lost, we we got blown out in game one, and then Mike came and he he had a tremendous game, and we pulled out game two against the Warriors on the road, and there were times where it was looking like we could have you know won the series because I think we won uh, the next yeah we got them down two games to one. Um, I think that even though. Even even though we didn't have 100% Mike, and even though Tony Allen went down, those type of things, I still think we would have lost that series to the Warriors regardless of what happened to us. 
And I know I know that's an unpopular opinion within a lot of Grizz fans. A lot of Grizz fans think that if, if things had played out differently, we would have beat the Warriors. I think the Warriors were one of those teams where once they got going, they're not you're not stopping them that season. Um, another unpopular opinion I have about that series is I think that's the series where Grit and Grind should have they probably should have started uh, the rebuild for the Grit and Grind era immediately after that season. It, it was after that season where I, I realized that the style of play that we had just wasn't going to be good enough to keep advancing in the playoffs. And like I said, I know people are going to be mad at me for saying that, but it's not like I, I'm not used to people being mad at me. So, you know, let it be what it is. No, I I see that viewpoint. Cause, I mean, the Warriors, they won 67 games that year. They had the reigning mm-hmm. MVP and Steph Curry, as well as the second best shooter in the league in Klay Thompson. And then that was when Draymond Green was really coming into his own as that, you know, that small ball switch heavy, just wrecking machine. So I think that was the that was the year where he took over David Lee while he went down, right? Right. That was the year that he this this is the year they won their first championship. So yeah, this is the year that he started uh at Power Forward and just became Draymond Green, the overrated superstar that he is. <laughs> <laughs> the over true. Sick oh, you, you know, you know I used to have I used to have a ton of arguments on Twitter with people saying he was a top ten player in the league and it's like, no, nah, man, he's he's good in that position. He's good in that role. But you put him on a he you you overpay him and you make him a player that you're building a team around, that team's gonna suck. And I think we saw that this year with this year's Golden State Warriors team, that Draymond Green isn't that good of a player if he's not surrounded by, you know, the Clays and, and, and the Steph Curry's of the world. Oh no, yeah, I agree. I I think we saw all that this year. And I do think like it's all valid that the Grizzlies still could have very well lost that series, even if Mike was healthy, even if Tony was healthy. Just because, I mean, the Warriors, they are going to go down as one of the best dynasties that we'll ever see. And right. like you said, they're one of those teams when they get hot, it's tough to stop them. And right. I did notice that they kind of, like you alluded to, they should have ended grit and grind. They found the formula to end it. The Warriors, they took Andrew Bogut and quote-unquote put him on Tony Allen, but really they had Andrew Bogut playing in the middle, double-teaming Marc Gasol and Zach Randolph because Tony Allen wasn't going to do anything. Granted, his hamstring was hurt, but also they didn't have the perimeter weapons to really um, to offset that strategy. And as a result, right. they put... I want to say they put – did they put Draymond on Mark or they put him on Zach? I want to say they had um, – I want to say they put Draymond on Mark, I believe. Yeah, yeah, they put Draymond on Mark. And basically no one was guarding Tony. Uh, <laughs> they were saying whatever he does out there, it doesn't really matter. And people were saying, well, if Tony was healthy, he would have just been able to dribble to the basket. And, like, my response to that was always no because – if he dribbled to the basket, they, they were, first of all, Mark and Michael already down there, and then their defenders were down there, and there was three guys in the paint. So him driving to the basket wouldn't have been much for any team to adjust to. That's that's what people used to get upset with me about. I was like, man, that Warriors team, once they got it going and once they flat out said, okay, we're going to quit screwing around with the Grizzlies, we're just not going to guard uh, their perimeter, uh, namely Tony Allen, it, it was over. I mean, and then once they started making shots like crazy, and once they figured out how to score, the, it, I, like I said, I don't think it would have mattered what they, what we would have done. That team would have, would have literally uh, pulled it out. If, if you look at the score, 
for the games after that. They ran away with this in every game. So I'm, I'm not, you know, I think I think it still would have been the same though. Yeah, I feel that. And I was actually looking at the playoff stats a little bit before we started, and that was some of the worst shooting stretches of basketball we've seen in Grizzlies history. And that's, I mean, that's saying a lot given the lack of shooting the Grizzlies have had. Saul, where right. Marcus Saul shot thirty nine percent in that playoffs, and Zach shot forty two percent. And then after Conley returned from that game two. So after the game two game, he shot 31% from the field and 21% from three. So it was just one of those things like they just weren't buying buckets at all. Mm-hmm. Something else that a lot of people uh, don't really remember about this series, that is the series where Mike Conley really became, he kind of jumped into another tier as far as being a beloved Grizzly. You know what I mean? And not just his uh, heroics of coming back from the face injury, but actually what he was doing on the court. Is when you start. He really started going deep into his bag um, during that series. Uh, you know, b- b- when he got hurt. And if you remember going back a series when we played against Portland, Mike. At one time, Mike Conley used to kill Damian Lillard in every playoff game. And a lot of people don't remember that. And this this wasn't young rookie Damian Lillard. This was prime Damian Lillard. And Mike Conley used to kill him in, in every playoff game. And in that particular season, that particular series, that particular playoff uh, season. Mike Conley was really becoming uh, – he's really turning the corner as far as, far as becoming uh, less of a liability with the team and being more of an uh, offensive focus for the team. And the heroics behind him uh, coming back from literally the broken face and when they showed him up in the booth, uh, I think that was during game three, when they showed him up in the booth or whatever. When was that? No, that was in Portland when they, when they mm-hmm. showed him in the booth or whatever. All those type of things just added to the Mike Conley more uh, that we are giving him today. Oh, yeah, I agree. And also, uh, speaking of Damian Lillard, can we just talk about how they can always steal one game from Memphis when they had Nick Calathis as their starting point guard? Right, exactly. Exactly. Um, and that series, a lot of people don't remember this either. I want to say that's the same season. Was that the season when we just totally broke up that Portland Trailblazers team? Yeah, because LaMarcus Aldridge left right after, and then they traded away Batum. Wesley Matthews walked. They like fully committed to that duo of Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. Right. That was the year after we put them out that year, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that was right. Marcus Aldridge's last season. Yeah. We broke the team up that some. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember yeah. saying after, uh, after that round one or when that round one was starting, I said, whoever loses this series. Their big man's going to San Antonio because I was like, okay, Mark's yeah. not staying if they get bounced in the first round. He's going to go to San Antonio. And then LaMarcus Aldridge would do the same if they got bounced in the first round. And sure enough, LaMarcus Aldridge ended up in San Antonio. Right. Exactly. But yeah, another thing about that series, that series even if you look back at that season, um, you know, I'm big about chemistry and how things, how moves and transactions affect the roster going forward. You remember that's the season that we uh, traded for Jeff Green, and um, a lot of people was like we couldn't. It's like we couldn't get, wait to get rid of Tayshawn Prince and wait to upgrade Tayshawn Prince. We got Jeff Green, who had uh, basic numbers, who looked good, points per game, those type of things, and people thought he would be uh, a plug and play player. But the dynamic of losing Tayshawn Prince in that uh, in that locker room uh, definitely had more of an effect on the team than uh, anything Jeff Green did on the court. 
especially the way that, that Jeff Green was criticized as well. And I was a big Jeff Green guy. I was hoping that the Jeff Green transaction would work. But uh, it definitely had some chemistry issues uh, on and off the court once you made that change with Tayshaun Prince. And Tayshaun Prince, who's now in the front office of the Grizzlies, has continued to show uh, just how his personality and, and how his bravado uh, makes things happen with the team. And uh, I think that's an understated uh, thing about that whole season, just just wondering what things would have been like if we had kept um, Tayshaun that year. Because you remember that year we were like, at one time, we had the best record in the NBA for a long time. You remember that? Like, um, yeah, we played a game against. Yeah, we were played a game against the Hawks when the Hawks had the best record, and we beat them. And I think we overtook having the best record in the league for a while. We we had the best record in the league, and um, that team was doing good. The team was doing very well, but um, you know they started they started uh, tailing off towards the end of the season, uh, which you know lined up with the Jeff Green transaction. And then, because um, they made that Jeff Green move, thinking that that was the move they needed to put them over the top, and you know, it, it kind of wrecked that locker room as far as their chemistry is concerned. No, I agree. And wasn't Dave Yeager also trying to force the Jeff Green experiment as well? Yeah, he was trying to um, force him at, at small forward, and I think a lot of the fans were wanting Tony at the three, Courtney Lee at the two, and uh, Yeager was—I don't know if that was coming from above or that was just his own thinking. But he was trying to get Jeff in there at the three. And Jeff Green's one of those guys, man. You know, as far as looking the part, he's he was uh he's the same as what Cam Reddish is right now today. I got to absolutely text off all the boxes aesthetically. Uh, go look at some Jeff Green highlights. It's some of the most aesthetically pleasing highlights you'll ever see. Uh, he looks great with the ball in his hands, uh, dribbling downhill. Looks great going to the basket. Jump shot looks good. He's, he's six foot nine. He's got a nice physique, athletic but just couldn't put it together on the court. And, um, you know, it, it was a, just a frustrating experiment. And it's just, like I said, it just makes you wonder what would have happened if we had kept that team um, together with Tayshaun Prince or whatever. But um, I know you want to know another aspect of that season that, that no one would say probably but me, and maybe Cam Rose from the outside of the podcast. Oh, I know. Jordan Adams. <laughs> Should have been playing Jordan Adams the whole season, man. Like, and, and, that was, and then the year after that, he messed his knee up. But um, if you remember that season, man, anytime Jordan Adams got in the game, he produced. Like, he, he didn't have any bad games. Like, when, when they put him in the game, he came in, he got buckets. And I think that if they had to use him, who knows, um, even though he was a rookie that year, who knows what could have happened if, if they had uh, he had gotten more playing time. Oh, no, yeah, I agree. Because, I mean, they didn't really have much guard depth or really any firepower off the bench. I want to say their best guards off the bench were Bino Udre and Nick Kalaitis. And that's right. even like that's not even like a knock. I mean, Kalaitis was a good defender and a decent playmaker. And then Bino Udre had one of the best mid-range games. Could you have imagined that dynamic between Bino Udre and Jordan Adams just being able to just like kind of bounce off each other? Right. And I remember uh, Bino being – his mid-range game was – Probably one of the most ridiculous mid-range. It, it was like when he when he stepped inside the paint, he took that mid-range shot. It was like you knew it was going in. It was like he was shooting wide open layups. And um, but like I said, that bench. But it's crazy because even with the lack of bench scoring we had, and just sitting here trying to think, just looking over the roster, trying to remember who actually scored points on that team off of the bench. Um, that team still was one of the best teams in the NBA that year, and, and it's crazy because I want to say, um. Was that, was that the year? Is that the first year we got Vince Carter? It was right. Um, 
I want to say the Grizzlies. I think the Grizzlies got Vince Carter the offseason after the Warrior series. Because that was 14 15, right? They got him 15 16. Wait, no. They did no, have him 14 15. He was on that 15. roster. I'm looking at the roster now. Yeah, he was on that 14 15 team. And he was he was a shell of himself. He wasn't, you know, he didn't really turn the corner until like maybe year two or three with us. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, man, just looking at that roster, I don't see how we had the record that we had. Just you know, just looking things over. Well, you had uh, you had Jamichael Green. Uh, I want to say that um, I want to say that like it, like Tony Mas uh, had a stint where he came off the bench, or Courtney Lee had a stint where he. I want to say when we were in the playoffs, Courtney Lee was coming off the bench, right? Because the starting lineup was, was Tony and Jim. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think yeah. that's what it was, yeah. Yeah, Hey, you know crazy. somebody I talked about the other day who's not even in the NBA anymore? I'm trying to think. Coastal um, Cooper, man. Where's where that guy? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> nah, Coastal Cooper is, is what people think Jonas Valanciunas is. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people don't really understand how good uh, JV is, and they think he's like Costa or somebody. Oh, you know another thing about that year, man? I don't know. What's up? If, I, I might have my years wrong, but I want to say because I was big about this, them making this happen. A couple of things. That summer was the summer when we had Hassan Whiteside in training camp. That's right. We had a song white side on our roster in training camp. He was killing everybody, including Mark, including including um, Costa Kufus. We chose Kalen Lucas. We ch- we, ch- we chose to hang on to Kalen Lucas instead of Whiteside because we had this illusion that we needed a third point guard. And it's like all the local media was like getting behind this third point guard thing, which I thought was asinine. And and then uh, during the season, there was a rumor that I want to say Toronto at the time. Wanted to trade, uh, man, I'm forgetting his name. He killed us in the last game we played. Um, kid out of Washington. Terrence Ross. Yeah. Terrence, it was a rumor that uh, Toronto wanted to trade Terrence Ross for Costa Cooper. Now, how much truth there was to that roster, I don't remember. But I remember losing my mind saying how much we needed that guy and how we needed to trade it, uh, Costa, for, Costa for him. And people, fans were saying, oh, you can't trade Costa. Who's going to back up Mark? I'm like, man, you put Zach, you move Zach to your backup power forward, I mean, your backup center after he plays starting power forward. And that's what they were doing anyway, because they weren't playing close to too much, period. You know what I mean? You remember that? Yeah. But yeah, all, all those things could have, could have, that team just didn't have the juice, man, to keep up with a team like the Warriors for seven games. And uh, like I said, that was a disappointing season because they started off so good. They started off being one of the best teams in the league, and then they had that deflating, um, deflating loss combined with the injuries to Tony and uh, Mike. Right. And I do want to kind of wrap back to this point that you had at the beginning of the show is that that was the off season. They should have blown up grit and grind. And so at that point, Mark, that's like basically saying Mark Gasol is going to walk in free agency. And then you're also trusting this, that old front office resume to build to rebuild this entire roster and find good deals for Zach Randolph, Tony Allen, Mike Conley. Like right. how diff- how much differently do you think it would have been than this one? Because I mean, obviously we've been spoiled with such a good rebuild. 
You, you mean if, if what if this front office had that team? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, like if you really think about it, like you're asking, you know, like a team that um, their best draft pick was to like their next best draft pick after Mike Conley was 2017. And that was because they bought a draft pick in the second round for Dylan Brooks. Mm -hmm. And like you would have been trusting them to find lottery guys, you you know, like it would have been that 20, it probably would have been a lottery team in that 2016, 17 range. So you would have been looking Mm -hmm. at, like they were literally like, if they would have done that, they could have been like, Dragon Bender, yeah, Frankie Lakina, like that right. could have been the rebuild, right? Um, and then another thing, uh, just if, just if, if the if the front office was more forward thinking and didn't have all their eggs in the basket of trying to win a championship that season, you got to remember that team had Jordan Adams, John L. Stokes, and Russ Smith. That that was that year, and those guys mm-hmm. didn't play at all. You know what I mean? Those guys didn't didn't see the court. Period. And you know the way the things are now uh, with Coach Taylor Jenkins. Those guys would have got some playing time. You would have saw what those guys could, you know, could give you or whatever. But um, like I said, we're just in a totally different place now with the front office, front office we have now. Uh, they're just making much smarter decisions. And a guy like uh, Jeff Green probably wouldn't have, got, wouldn't have been the guy that got in. Who was Jeff Green at that time was more of a name. And then there were people saying that, that Chris Wallace made that deal just as a favor to Danny Ainge and those type of things, uh, that would that's not what what would have happened. And you remember we sent out a first round pick. That the first round pick is going to Boston now. With us conveying more than likely is is the pick that uh, came that went out with that Jeff Green deal. So those, all those things come into play for that season. That's true. And hey, um, I guess in hindsight, thank God for that trade because I don't want to pick in this draft at all. But hey, we, who all. knows? They 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 could have gotten. Um, Memphis Tiger, Precious Achua. That would have been pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. But if you remember, man, like Boston turned down, there were so many teams that wanted that tra- that pick involving trade. I want to say they turned down a Jimmy Butler trade, a Paul George trade, Anthony Davis, all these guys, so on and so on and so on, thinking they were going to get some top five pick from us eventually. And shout out to Boston. Like we like we joke about all the time when we're games, we're getting probably Precious Achua out of that pick or whatever. Shout out to Precious, but, you know, he's, he wasn't worth not having the guys that just named for. That's right. And I guess one question, just wrap up this show and on a slightly more positive note, because I'm pretty sure that most people aren't going to be happy with us basically saying, Oh yeah, they wouldn't have one anyways. What if the, if Mike was healthy and you know, they actually did make it past the warrior series and who knows that was actually also the same season where, uh, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love went down, and right. basically LeBron was running with the NBA equivalent of the Toon Squads. He had Matthew Delvadova right. and Timofey Moskov playing big minutes. Who, did, who and, was uh, that? That wasn't the, the conference finals, though. So who was who would have been our opponent in the next round? It would have been the Rockets or the Clippers. I think it was the Rockets. Yeah, it was. It was the Rockets that year. And I think they could have beaten the Rockets. You think they could or they couldn't have? I think they could have because, I mean, that was at the point where they had – I felt like they just had James Harden and Dwight Howard and then just a bunch of cats. That's it. That was Chandler Parsons was on that team too, right? No, Chandler was with Dallas at that point. 
that was that odd year that, that Houston made it to the Western Conference Finals, and when James Harden really became like MVP, James Harden, when he kind of like took them farther than they were supposed to go. Yeah, it was then, somebody else. Uh, the team. I can't remember no, who, else, who else. Remember, it was that. Um, it was that same that series before that Clippers series. The Clippers were up like twenty in the fourth quarter, and the Rockets came back because of Josh Smith. Yeah, yeah, I remember that now. Yeah, it was something crazy like that. But if they would have actually, if the Grizzlies would have made that run, you know, they could have made like a Western Conference Finals or Finals run. Do you think it would have been one of those one-trick ponies, kind of similar to on a larger scale Dallas or even like a smaller scale, um, like the two thousands Utah teams? Do you think it would have been kind of one of those things? Yeah, what do you, um, I think that you mean as far as us getting to the finals or whatever. Yeah, like it just would have been one of those like, oh, they just things broke their way and they made it through. Um, yeah, and, that's, that's what I think it would have been because I mean, like I said, man, like I'm, I've been a Grizzly fan forever, but I wasn't the, the biggest fan of. I, I was a fan of the results of the GNG era, but not particularly the way that we got there. Like I, I wasn't a fan of our style of play too much at all. I just think we relied too much on defense and too much on trying to grind out wins. And I think in the playoffs, that came back and hurt us because everyone was playing that style of play. Everyone cranked their defense up and everyone, you know, was trying to grind out wins and slowing the ball down in the half court. But those other teams just had guys that could knock down three-pointers and we just flat out just had it. You know what I mean? Um, but, yeah, um, I think that if – like you guys talked about uh, in the last one you did, I think that 2011 team was the best greatest team we had. Um, I think that team had a chance of winning the championship or going to the finals over any uh, playoff uh, roster that we had. I think that team is more was better suited and as far as like it's the landscape of the NBA with the with the Heat having their first season together, those type of things. That's the team I thought really could could have done more if things had a broken different more so than this team, even though this team had a better record. Absolutely, and um. We're about out of time here, but Sane, do you have any final comments before we wrap up the show? No, I'm good, man. I, I love what you're doing with this. I'm glad you hit me up about it. Uh, just both of us, man, just is grinding hard throughout this tough time for everyone. I uh, appreciate what you guys are doing over there at SBN. Um, I'll be back on my grind on allgridges.com. Uh, it's the Sports Illustrated channel and just trying to do my thing, man. Absolutely. Guys, make sure you're following Sane and his work at Sane Asylum on Twitter. One of the most hardworking guys, not just in Grizz Media, but in Memphis Media as himself. I mean, dude, I remember following you on Twitter like, as like a high school kid and like asking like your opinions on certain Grizz stuff. Like in like 2013, yeah. 2014. Right. <laughs> I'm an old man in this crap, man. Yeah, but hey, you built your brand and it's paying off you bet on yourself and i gotta give you props to that yes, sir. yeah man I yes sir yeah and guys y'all can follow me on twitter at paca underscore flaca follow the blog on twitter at SBN grizzlies and be sure you're listening to every edition of the core four revisionist grizzly gbb live and the three and d podcast on the grizzly bear blues podcast network all right saying you know the lingo oh yeah i'm gonna mess with you all right 